Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard. Thank you very much, as always, for listening in. Got an exciting one for you today. Kathy is joining me. Kathy, how are you doing? I'm good, Chris. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. We have strong-armed, a fabulous guest today to join us. And uh, the guest that I'm going to be introducing in a second, we actually met at a conference that Kathy and I attended in June of this year, which was run by Gartner and Avanta. And some of the discussion that we had during a roundtable that we hosted was around employee experience, it was planned employee value proposition, but we also started to talk around employee listening as well. And we chatted with our guests just for a couple of minutes afterwards, after the actual session. And I said, I accosted him and said... I'm going to get you on the podcast so we can talk about employee listening. So I'll introduce him. It's Simon Smith, who's the Chief People Officer of Aston Martin. Simon, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very good, Chris. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. How do you feel about being strong-armed into a podcast? I'm less concerned about being strong-armed as I am about being described as a fabulous guest. <laughs> you are expectations have been set i'm sure yes exactly we've set the bar we set the bar now before we go into obviously employee listening organizational listening and engagement i'd be really keen to get your views on it let's do a quick sort of check-in on you and yourself for those people who perhaps haven't met you before or heard of you or what you do so if you can tell our lovely listeners that'd be great yeah, so Simon Smith, I'm the Chief People Officer at Aston Martin, 26 odd years experience in HR, always in kind of industrial engineering organisations, and I've uh, spent the last 18 months at Aston Martin. Nice. Let's get into the uh, the main nub of the conversation that we wanted to have today. I wanted to just, we'll start off by just kicking off with a, a bit of a an overview from your perspective of HR and organisational listening. Give me just a few minutes or two of your perspective on what you see. You can give us some background and intel if you want into Aston Martin or your career. And what are you seeing out there from a, an employee listening perspective? That's an interesting question, isn't it? And I think my career has always been spent in very large multinational organisations up until this point. And I think we've kind of lost a little bit of the human bit out of HR. And by that, I mean the, the the listening element tends to be fairly kind of formulaic in terms of, you know, doing roundtables and doing uh, surveys in, in large organisations. And I think, you know, my reflection on moving into a smaller organisation, you know, is that requirement to really to really listen to what employees are saying and having that opportunity, even though we're we're still 3,000 employees and it's still, you know, not as not as simple as a very small company, but, you know, the importance of actually just really listening to what, what people are telling you and what's working and what isn't. Yeah. And, and I guess, Simon, you know, we've seen trends, right, in terms of how, how listening methods have changed over time. And a lot of organisations still do the annual engagement survey, the sort of feedback survey that, that organisations do. And it has its place, right? It absolutely has value, especially when you're tracking year on year changes and asking the same questions so you can can have that sort of validity year on year. But but the appetite now is, as you say, to become far more focused on the listening aspect. And to listen, we need to listen regularly. So from your perspective, how are things changing in terms of the the regularity, the frequency of how employees are being listened to by their employers? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on the survey. I think um, 
it has its place. My experience of running surveys is the, you never really understand the answers. Therefore, you have to go and run focus groups to find out why people said they uh, said yeah. what they did in the survey. So why not just run the focus groups in the first place? Now, I think, you know, I, as I say, coming into Aston Martin, I think, you know, working with our CEO, he's, you know, he's really challenging us all the time around what is the employee sentiment. And, you know, we've, we've, you know, been quite challenged, I guess, in our thinking our background about you know what do we do in that in that space and I, I don't think we've got it perfect yet but we do a lot more general listening to employees whether that's through formal or informal routes and trying to capture that employee sentiment on a on a more real-time basis so that we can kind of report on it more regularly back to the exec team for me personally that means running round tables with employees but also um lots of one-to-one listening sessions based both around how the individual is feeling about things, but also what are they seeing and hearing and how are their teams feeling about things and what's working and what's not working. And then more broadly, my team both um, both some more f- formal things like exit interviews, like ED&I group. Um, you know, we've created listening groups around things like new starters, older employees, et cetera, to get different perspectives. But then also the general interactions that they have across the business, if they hear something that they think is relevant, then trying to capture that, you know, in a way in which we can then kind of consolidate that view and and and, and report back to the exec team. Yeah, yeah, I think that. Sorry, Chris, I was thinking that's really interesting, right? Because actually, what you're describing there is quite a personal approach. That you know, a lot of that is about actually having conversations as opposed to asking people to fill out forms, whether that's online or not. So I think that's really um, quite a cultural thing as well, Simon. And and, yeah. and 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 you know, maybe that's partly down to scale, but actually, from an employee experience perspective, you know, overall the inclusion factor that you're putting forward around actually having a personal conversation and someone being able to discuss and debate in a two-way setting typically obviously generates far more insightful outcomes but also ensures the individual does feel they're being actively listened to as opposed to just fill out a form right I don't know whether you're finding that when you're having those you know when you're looking at the data you're getting but also the, the reaction people have to that type of inclusion. It's been huge particularly in my position you know people just don't expect it so yeah it has been absolutely massive in terms of that level of engagement that people have had and but but you know i've also been really surprised and pleasantly surprised about the level of honesty that people give and of course we set the boundaries around the confidentiality of the conversation and we don't attribute comments back to an individual but even then you know it's still quite something for somebody to sit in front of the chief people officer and be really open and transparent about what they're thinking and feeling i think the challenge it brings doing it that way is then how do you capture themes particularly when you're doing it across with multiple people capturing the data you know if it was only me i i would draw together my own themes and i do but when you've got you know a whole hr team that's doing it and capturing insights is the challenge is then how do you distill it down into uh, into key themes to be able to report back and we you know I can't say we do that in any intelligent way other than, you know, we have a, a Microsoft Office form with some structured questions that allows people to um, to put stuff in and then we can and then we can kind of filter on it and try and draw out the themes from there. So it's not overly techy and not overly sophisticated, but it but it does seem to work for us. And well, I think that's interesting because it doesn't have to be techy, does it? It's not about the technology. It's actually just about making people feel like they're heard and like they're actually they have a sense of belonging and they're going to get actioned. And to your point, you can't just you have to group these things into themes don't you because you can't just absorb everything and say well it turns out that 
there are however many thousand employees and you've all got a different opinion. So we've got a task list of 3,000 different things that we've got to do now. It has to be grouped and bucketed like that. So it's really, really interesting. One of the things you said earlier when you were talking about the informal versus formal was quite interesting. And I started to think about the HR versus the line management responsibility side of it, because that informal part obviously sits with the line. You've got the line managers needing to then communicate that up through HR as well. So can you just touch on your view around that and how you interact you guys interact with line managers and how you try and capture that perhaps capture that information yeah i I don't think we do capture it overly well other than uh, line managers reporting back through the hr team i think and and that is a challenge isn't it you know is is when you've got you know lots and lots of line managers you know we've got you know four to five hundred line managers how do you capture what they're listening from their employees and feeding that back so we do it through the HR team interacting with the line managers doing it. It's really important that line managers spend the time listening to, to employees, but then encouraging employees to act upon it themselves and where they can't, then you know, taking some responsibility for for an act, you know, acting upon it for them. But and that comes back from leaders as coaches and leaders creating the right environment for employees to to you know drive their own performance and drive their own success. And Simon, when you're when you're sort of gathering the information that you're getting, you know, anecdotally or, or through through the sort of process you've described, whether that's coming from HR, um, interacting pe- direct with people or through line managers, when you do identify those themes, how are you then responding to the themes? Because there's a, there's a question around speed here, right? And, to, and, and the beauty of having this sort of direct feedback on a regular basis enables you to be more agile and nimble in terms of how you respond, but also how you're going back out to your employee base and saying, look, this is what we've heard and this is what we're doing. I think one of the important reasons for doing it is, you know, as, as we go through a culture change, as we kind of drive the culture of the business, cult, culture change is not a linear thing. You can't, you can't, you can't define that's the culture I want. And, you know, if I do X, Y and Z, I'm going to get that culture. It's a systemic thing that you're only control of certain parts of it. So you can never actually determine the exact culture you, you want or you're going to get. All you can do is kind of drop pebbles in and see what the reaction is. And and through the listening activity, I think it's really important that you try something, you listen to what the result has been, you monitor the result, and then you course correct. Do more of, do less of, do something different to try and move in the direction you want to do. And that for me is the is the reason we do all of this listening activity. I think there are certain things that then do come up as, as specifics that you can see. You know, we've, we've, we've had a few issues around certain reward elements, for example, that we're, mm-hmm. we're addressing. So people can see directly that you're taking action on some some elements of feedback. And then we try and do some feedback through through the employee comms that we do as well, through the newsletters and the, and the general comms that we do that, you know, you said this, we are doing this. So, you know, there's all, all of those things, I think. But for me, the, the overarching purpose of it is around that longer term culture change. And so it's not necessarily a, an immediate thing that you will see the change. One of the things I would like to, I mean, we talked earlier about how it doesn't have to be the tech that is the focus. And it's more around gathering that data and making sure, obviously, you're actually not near. But I do actually wouldn't mind touching on that and just get your thoughts, actually, from that perspective, because there is lots of chatter. We have seen lots of chatter about the types of tools that now exist where you can, you can, you know, 
be a bit more proactive in, in engaging employees and getting sentiment. I wanted to get your thoughts on that, just on the type of tech that's out there. And it can be broad. We don't have to go into any specifics. But do you think it's becoming easier and easier to do that? I mean, we often say at LACE that quite often, you know, tech isn't the panacea. And so you need to make sure that you've, you've got your reasons behind why you are actually embedding any kind of uh, activity change or whatever it is. But I just wanted to get kind of a bit of a helicopter view from your perspective on what you've seen out there and where you think it's going. And is it something that you guys are looking at, like different types of tech? Because obviously you mentioned, you know, at the moment you're using things like Outlook or, or certain basic protocols. Is it something that you're looking for tech that this is something that we need to it's on your horizon i think in certain respects i mean we use things like mentimeter and slido at various points we want to increase the number of kind of pulse surveys we do around particular topics and that's something we'll do going forward so you know there are tools around there that that enable us to be able to do that quite simply and, and to target particular groups i have looked at some of the tools out there which monitor feedback in real time by monitoring company traffic on various platforms. It's a little bit scary. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I think that when when you when you see the capability of AI tools to track somebody's talking about this subject, they're talking about it's a positive or a negative sentiment, and the sentiment is number 10 on a strength score of one to ten. That for me is is really interesting because line managers can see real time every day, every week, what the sentiment is of their employees. And in particular, if you make a change to something, organization change or um, you know grading change, roles and responsibilities, you can see immediately the impact that that has. But the ethics around doing it are quite considerable. And you know how much do employees trust? That their organisation will use that data in the right way, I think, is something we're all going to have to work through over the next uh, next few years. And and Simon, building on that, I think it's also about the quality of the information as well, in terms of actually how much can we rely on this versus the beauty of relying on interactions, i.e. line manager employee talking to each other or employee and employee talking to each other or HR and employee talking to each other is that it's a two-way conversation, right? And actually part of that is, yes, I understand the sentiment I'm hearing, but did you know this? Or this was our perspective. And it becomes a conversation as opposed to pure data, if you see what I mean. And, And I think that's the value to your point around culture change of actually affecting change is through those conversations. The data points can help you course correct, can help you think actually where are we at and from a measurement point of view but for me the the real value comes from that discussion that can be triggered by talking about specific topics or requesting views on topics and then using those to prompt conversations i guess it's a bit like the survey conversation isn't it you get something that says you know people don't think they're rewarded enough for their job okay in what way are they not rewarded enough does that mean their line manager's not giving them recognition you know are we not paying people enough so, yeah, you, you, need, you always need that conversation to validate your assumptions around what the data is actually telling you. Yeah. And, and I think it's the value, I guess, is that it can become you know, measurable. So, so measurement and trends are obviously incredibly helpful. So it's balancing that value that you get from an interaction and a conversation versus actually having data points that you can measure over time. But you can blend the two right? in terms of having the best of both to give you something you can track and, and measure yes. as opposed to actually the conversation that you can have with people. Yes, absolutely. 
Yeah. I think one other thing I've seen, I guess, Chris, and we've used with some of our clients is how you can digitize some of the the, the discussion mm-hmm. in a way. So, for example, we've used a tool called Remesh with some of our clients, particularly when we're trying to get employee sentiment to inform employee experience design. And that's a, 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 a great tool for sort of digitizing the focus group setting. Yeah. So ensuring you can get groups of people normally much larger than you could in person, but it's an interactive process that someone can go through and you can real time change the questions or change the options and people can also bounce each other's ideas you know build on sentiment or themes that are coming through the discussion so there's automation options out there for enabling conversations um, which I think are also really interesting as to where that's going to make sure that it's not a one-way process right it's a very different thing isn't it when you're going out and, and actively encouraging people to give you an opinion whether that's digitally or in person versus the kind of monitoring of conversation that, that informs then or provides you statistics on what people are doing and thinking. It's a very different environment. Yeah, certainly. Do you know one of the things that I wouldn't mind just you guys, I get both of your views on this actually. So what we've talked about so far is this idea of going beyond the more traditional, you know, once a year type employee surveying, being able to for people to be heard a little bit more. And I think to myself about future skills of HR professionals being able to interpret that the level of information, because it, every every point in which you are increasing the volume in which you're getting that feedback, you're getting more and more and more data in that you need to absorb. So is it something that's on your radar, Simon, or actually also, Cathy, I'll go to Simon first because you've guessed and then you, that you think that HR teams are looking at a little bit more because all of a sudden, as opposed to, well, we've now got to do some analysis on, you know, once a year type thing, we're turning into this more real time kind of data and interpretation and then acting on it. So do you see that as something that's going to monopolise more of your time as some that you're thinking about? I think there's two sides to that, isn't there? One is, I think the answer to it is absolutely yes. You know, everybody talks about, you know, HR analytics and data analytics becoming more and more important. And it is. And you absolutely need people who are numerate and uh, analytical within the HR function. Talked a lot with other people about the change in role of HR. And I, fundamentally, I don't think the role of HR changes. I think the the bit you've got to put alongside the analytics is that listening piece is that is that using the analytics to help inform the conversation and you know propose and hypotheses and test hypotheses through conversation it's all very well looking at why your attrition is going up or down but you need to understand you know a little bit more deeply behind it as to what's uh, what's actually driving it so i think the skill set of hr being able to engage people is really important in the past and will be in the future, but you have to plug alongside it, the evolution of of some of the skills like data analytics. I'd echo that, Simon, absolutely. I mean, from from our conversations with CPOs in all the different businesses that we worked with over the last few years, you know, there are three common capability gaps that organizations see or CPOs see they need in their function and analytics and insights is is one of them. Org design is another to support yeah. business change and then the change management capability as well to go with that. So I'd I'd really echo the the need for having more insights capability, not just the data side and the reporting, what does it actually mean? And to your point, yeah. testing hypotheses, you know, understanding the exam questions that will really drive value for the business and then gathering the right data and delivering the insights that are answer that exam question and enable you to action things differently. I think the other thing from my point of view as well is, that I guess, from a capability perspective, access to real-time data and the need to take action 
to to ensure that individuals understand the value of why they've contributed their opinion and shared their sentiment means that I think there's more need for HR to be more agile with a little a and also a big a about how they respond to the findings right so how can you bring together people into maybe cross business agile teams into squads into more of that sort of rapid response unit if you like around actually what do we need to do differently and how can we action that with enough of the the employee voices from an inclusivity perspective to ensure that we've got the right people working on that squad to to drive the right outcome and i think the other piece for me which is linked to the insights is is that commercial focus you know Ultimately, all of this is about driving engagement, driving positive experiences at work, which we know leads to greater productivity and improved retention, less turnover and ultimately bottom line value. Right. So that commerciality that comes with it as well. Yeah, I completely agree with you about the cross team working and the and the squad type activity. And we do, we've got something running at the moment based upon the feedback around recognition, which is exactly uh, exactly that. We brought together a team to work on that, and hopefully by the end of the year we'll have a different approach for uh, for twenty four. So, yeah, completely agree. We've got about five minutes left of the pod, and I didn't want to run out of time talking about a particularly topical area even this week so the time of recording we're recording on the the friday and during this week beginning of october the ico have just released some research where they've surveyed about a thousand people and 70 percent of those 1012 people said that they find monitoring in the workplace intrusive and 20 percent said they'd feel less comfortable taking a new job if they knew their employer was monitoring them now we've talked about this internally at least it's almost the flip side of the coin of employee listening which is that employee watching part so i just wanted to get like just a few your a few perspectives on that because what we've talked about so far is we've talked about you know increased engagement people feeling like they've been listened to they've been heard and and what you're doing is acting upon it that's kind of like the the positive side and the, the proactive side that that you you guys are doing at aston martin and obviously many hr and businesses are doing as well but can we just touch on that kind of the dangers or the pitfalls i suspect of that employee watching and feeling like you're uh every key stroke is being monitored simon just kick you off of that kick, kick us off with that one well i think you've touched on it. i mean would, would employees join a company where you've got a reputation for for doing that and there is that trust element with employees that i think is is really important and as i say i think you know if people even if you're doing it for the right reasons and you communicated you're doing it for the right reasons if you're monitoring all the conversation to build up employee sentiment as an example do people trust that you're you, you know you are using it only for those purposes and the and do they then also change their behavior about what they do and what they say in certain media as well so for me you know if you want to generate engagement you want to generate an employee experience where you attract and retain the best people it's got to be built on a foundation where the company where the organization where line managers trust the employees that work for them putting in place policies and practices etc the reinforce that and not remove away from that i had a very good conversation with some of my team this week about exactly that and um you know designing policies for the 99 percent of people who want to come to work and do a great job not the one percent of people who try and take advantage of things at certain points so yeah i think it's fundamental yeah, the trust element, Simon, is huge, right? I think, you know, if we think about why this is in the press at the moment, I know the research has been done, but this is being triggered by the impact of increased hybrid working post-pandemic, you know, where people are not as visible 
to their line managers or their business as they were before. And maybe jobs that were done in a visible office environment are now being done out at home. And so that's one trigger. And the other is, as a reaction to that, there's more software tech available, right, that provides monitoring functionality that maybe wasn't available a few years ago. But I think the whole point of, am I monitoring my workforce? That's not new, right? Everyone who shift work has had to clock in, clock out over time. You know, we all, you know, going in and out of buildings, use security passes, that element of it isn't new. And I think nobody would question that as being why an employer would need to know physically where you are just from a pure, are you in the building for if there was a fire, for example, <laughs> through to, are you actually working on the shift that I'm paying you for? So, so that for me is sort of, you know, the basics around it. And it's always been there. I think the, the challenge now is more about actually monitoring um, people's activity and time because there is this maybe supposition that if I can't see someone, are they actually spending their time doing the work that I'm paying them to do? And that and that's where we get into the trust debate. And there's also always been sort of monitoring of what you're using your email account for and, and also your you know web usage and so on. So again, I don't think that's relatively new. To me, it's down to this, am I being monitored because my employer needs to track how I'm spending my time because maybe previously it was more visible to them how I'm spending my time. And that's the nuance, I think, that gets into this cultural piece around the trust perspective and the fact that line managers may well be managing people who they physically don't see all of the time and therefore what are they spending their time on. So I think there's this whole point around ensuring that the communication between any employer and employees around if there is new technology that might be being used, what is its purpose? Uh, how does it fit with the culture and values of the organization is it proportionate can i as an employee really understand why and see the sense in and actually no i think that makes sense to me why someone would need to know that or actually does it start me questioning am i in the right organization this doesn't feel comfortable to me is my privacy being impacted is my ability to you know flex my hours as i've done for the last couple of years working from home that worked really well for me is that being challenged so i think there's there's nuances to it now that mean that for me it's very much about the overall employee experience and the culture that goes with it that is where we're getting into more dangerous ground right and i think that's where employers have the sort of need to tread carefully in this space and this guidance from the ico around the data they're finding and the need to be prepared proportionate, transparent, respectful, I think is really helpful. I think you're right. You could argue about the hybrid working and the change of hybrid working. But even before that, often you know, people would talk about, you know, people would go home and leave their coat on the back of the chair because it makes it give the impression that they're exactly. still. <laughs> Are you putting things in place because it's important to monitor it from a business point of view? Mm -hmm. I, things like security and health and safety, as you say, if you're in the building or, you know, are there key performance things that you need to monitor on an individual or team or collective basis. But if you're putting it in place to cover the failings of your leadership and your line management, then that's a different question. And for me, you know, therefore, where is your focus? And where's the pinch point? Because if it is the problems with the leadership, then you, you, you've got a different challenge you need to answer and it isn't embed a new piece of tech. One of the things I'm, I've stolen this from Cathy, actually, because this is something that she said. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting when we were talking about it earlier on in the week, Cathy, was you were saying, as an example, if you want to monitor somebody because they've got problems with their network connectivity, like because, you know, and that's actually then becomes a barrier to someone. And, you know, if my Internet is rubbish and that's causing me problems, then well, how do we is there ways in which we can help to? to fix that so actually it's not always just around the, the, the monitoring as long as you're transparent look the reason we are monitoring the system setup you've got is because we want to make sure that we can remove the frustrations that you have in your job then 
why would it not be seen as a positive thing? I guess it's the communication is the key bit, isn't it? Yeah, communication. And um, I think you you said, Cathy, that articulation of the why is massive. Absolutely. We are basically out of time now, which is really unfortunate because I feel like we could have gone on probably another half an hour for that. But thems is the rules of this game, of this podcast game that we have. So, Simon, it's been absolutely amazing having you on today. Thank you very, very much. No worries, and really great to be invited. Thank you. Hopefully you weren't too strong-armed and we can strong-arm you in future to come along and uh, put the world to rights. For sure. Great to see you both. Great great to see you, Cathy. Thank you very much, as always, for joining me and being my co-host today. Yeah, no worries, Chris. Really enjoyed it. And thank you so much, Simon. Really appreciated all your insights. It's fantastic to get a CPO on the pod talking about the reality of the role and, and what you're doing. So really, really helpful. Thank you very much. No worries. Thank you. So you can, of course, uh, get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can access us on our website, which is lacepartners.co.uk forward slash insight. We actually have a podcast short link as well. So you can get the whole RSS feed, which is uh, forward slash lacepartners.co.uk forward slash podcast. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed the show. It's been great having Simon on and Kathy joining me again. We hope you've enjoyed it. Leave us a nice five star review on Apple or something like that and say how fabulous it was. But from myself, from Simon and from Kathy, as always, thank you very much. And we hope to see you or hear from you next time on the HR on the Offensive Podcast. Bye-bye.